Are you fully persuaded that God can do it? Are you fully persuaded that he's got the power to do it? He has the ability to do what he promised? If you're fully persuaded, you can start giving him glory before you see it happen. Sometimes the closest to that preferred outcome, the more resistance that you will see, the more hindrance, the more pushback that you will see sometime right before your victory comes. God is working it, but the enemy is trying to discourage you and cause you to give up on it and throw in the towel and have a crisis of belief to where you just said, forget about it, God, forget about it. I do it myself. Welcome to the light of the world. And this is Jerry G. Martin. If there was ever a time believers need to stand in faith, trusting God's word for whatever God wants to do in your life, it is now. God wants us to rise up and let him use our lives to do great things. I'm encouraging you today with these messages on faith. Come and join us as we walk in the light of God's Word. When I can hear what God says, so you're in the middle of a crisis, you're in the middle of a situation, you've got something that you haven't been able to resolve for a long time, stop and say, okay, Lord, you look at this, you tell me where I need to stand, what I need to say, what I need to declare about this. And then when you can hear from God, you can declare what God said about it. If God says, speak to that mountain, then you speak to it. When Moses came up to the Red Sea and they began to cry, and he said, Lord, what are we going to do? God said, stretch forth your hands and speak it. Moses stretched forth his hand. Here's how I resolve this scripture when I talk to people. I said, when we say what God say, we can have what we say. There's a scripture that says, if you delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. And that's what some people say. Well, he said he'll give me the desires of my heart. I'll say this way. When you delight yourself in the Lord, he gives you what to desire in your heart. Because do you want something that he doesn't want for you? That's why Jesus said, your will be done. Your kingdom comes. So I need to hear from God about what he's saying about this. That's the first step in beginning to speak to that impossible mountain. Lord, what do you say? And then verse 23 goes on and says, Now that I've said this, it presupposes that I've already heard from God. And now I'm speaking what he says. And verse 23 says, And does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says will happen. It will be done for him. You don't doubt it in your heart. We speak and we believe in our heart. Now, it's easy to believe in our head. But there's a difference in believing it in our head and believing it in our heart. See, when we believe it in our head and things start looking different and the facts start saying that it's not going to happen, we'll go on to something else. But when we believe it in our heart, we can stand no matter what it looks like. When I know that I've heard from the Lord, I can stand and resist the doubt. I can stand and resist the doubt when I know I heard from God. No, God spoke that. I know I heard from the Lord about that. And I'm standing with that. I, don't, I understand what the facts are. But I know I heard from God. I believe that God is speaking that to me. And that's what I'm going to stand on. You want to have to note, too, also, that whenever God tells you something, you can expect resistance. Just because God told you don't mean it's just going to happen tomorrow night. Because there is an adversary, there is a resistance. That's what we call a crisis of belief that we got to deal with. 
And you look in the scripture, you'll always see whenever God moved in a mighty way, there was a crisis of belief. It's like the Red Sea being in the way of the promised land. God says to Moses, go and get those people out of Egypt. Take them to the promised land, to the land I've showed you. I already got a place prepared for you, floor with milk and honey. It's going to be the promised land for my people. Well, the next thing you know, he's standing at the Red Sea, can't cross it. Pharaoh's at his back with his army. And he's wondering, well, what, what am I doing here? And he's crying out to God. God asked him, say, why coming down to me? I already told you you're going to be in the promised land. So speak to that Red Sea. Stretch forth your hands. And Moses says, okay, well, open up. God says, I already told you where you were going. In fact, what does the Red Sea even have to do with it? I can't take you to the promised land if you're going to get drowned. It's like the pit and the prison that Joseph faced on the way to his dream. God showed him in a dream where he was going to be, but he had a pit and a prison. That he had to keep believing that God was going to take him to that place that he showed him. What's the pit and the prison got to do with what I told you was going to happen in your life? I didn't tell you it was going to be easy. I didn't tell you that when you speak to the mountain, it might be a little volcano coming up out the mountain for a while. And the hot lava might be flowing towards you. But you speak to that mountain, it'll move. When I tell you it's going to move, it's going to move. But you're going to have to, you got some resistance. You got an adversary. You got things that's going to happen. It's like the old age of Abraham and Sarah that got in the way of producing the child that God said you're going to have. God said you're going to be the father of many nations. And he's old and they're not able to have any children anymore because of their old age. But God said that ain't got nothing to do with what I told you. In fact, in the book of Romans chapter 4, Paul talks about Abraham in verse 18. He says, against all hope. Now, know what he says, against all hope. And you're going to get to a place when you believe in God that it looks like it's against all hope. And you know, I believe that God will do that for us so that when we get to the other side, we'll know it was God. You know, because if it's just speaking and it's just easy, you think, man, I, I, I was smarter than then. I came up with a good idea. I thought, I thought about that and I said a few things to a few people. I got that worked. But when you have to go against all hope, when you get to the other side and you see the victory, you're going to say, thank you, Lord. I know it was God. If it had not been for the miracle hand of God, nothing would have happened. Because I tried everything I could try and I couldn't make anything work. But God moved. He says, against all hope, Abraham, in hope, believed, and so became the father of many nations. Just as it has been said to him. Who said it? God. He heard God say that. So, so shall your offsprings be. And then verse 19 helps us. He says, without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact. You know, faith uh, will overcome the facts. You know, when a doctor tells you something, he may have some facts. But the faith will overcome the fact. Faith will fight the facts. Without weakening his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. Since he was about 100 years old and Sarah's womb was also dead. He said, it ain't nothing going on here. That's the fact. 
yet he did not waver through unbelief. That's where you go. God said it. I don't know how he's going to do it. And I'm not going to have an unbelief on that because I'm believing in God. I just need to step back and see him work this because I don't know how it's going to happen. He did not waver through unbelief. What will happen sometimes is that we're in a situation and we're, we can't see any possible outcome that would be to our benefit. So we'll cast that on God's word and say, I can't see how that's going to happen. So I just don't know. So we'll start wavering with unbelief because we can't see how it's going to happen. But we walk by faith and not by what we see. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. When did he give glory to God? Before he saw it happen. He gave glory to God being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he has promised. Now, are you fully persuaded that God can do it? Are you fully persuaded that he's got the power to do it? He has the ability to do what he promised? If you're fully persuaded, you can start giving him glory before you see it happen. In fact, sometimes the closest to that preferred outcome, the more resistance that you will see, the more hindrance, the more pushback that you will see, sometimes right before your victory comes. God is working it, but the enemy is trying to discourage you and cause you to give up on it and throw in the towel and have a crisis of belief to where you just said, forget about it, God. Forget about it. I'll do it myself. I'm just going to walk off and leave it. God said, your victory is just around the corner if you stay there. If you put yourself in Abraham's place, 25 years, how long can you wait? You ask yourself this question. How long can I wait for God's promise to be fulfilled? And you would say, uh, about three months. I give him three months, and then I'm going to do something else. Why do we think? It has to happen instantaneously or else God's not going to do it. When you look in the scriptures and you see all the things that people had to do to wait for the promise to get fulfilled. But we think if he haven't done it in our time period, then uh, he doesn't do what he says he's going to do. So we need to do something else. 25 years for Abraham. How long was it before Joseph got to be in the prime minister position in Egypt? After he's been thrown in a pit and working as a slave and then being in prison. Our timing is not God's timing. That's why you really need a word from God. Then verse 24 in Mark 11 says, Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Now, Jesus reemphasizes that message, and I just want to point a couple of things out that he's saying. He says, therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer. Jesus spent a lot of time praying. His idea of prayer was not just falling on your knees and saying, uh, thank you, Lord. I just want to ask you for those two or three things here. I, I need you to touch me in my finances, touch me on my job. I want a promotion. I need a promotion in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus would say, excuse me, but that's not prayer. That's just passing through. The Bible was said he would pray. All, he'd pray all night. He'd get up a great while before a day and go and pray and talk to his father. What was he trying to do? He was trying to see what the father was saying 
about what he needs to do so he can say what the father says. He says, I only do what the father says, so I need to hear what he's saying. And I need to spend some time. We need to talk. We need to, I need to listen. I need to spend some time. I need to fellowship with him. I need to spend time. I want to hear from you, Lord. Lord, I want to bring everything to you. I want you to look it over for me. And I need you to give me some direction. And I'm going to stay here till I can hear some direction from you. Then I know where to stand. Then I know what to ask for. Then I know what to say. Whatever you ask for in prayer, in that process, he assumes we know how to pray. Prayer is not ordering God around in Jesus' name. I declare that I shall have this in the name of Jesus. God gives wisdom. And God will also give us what to desire. There are times you can be in prayer and you spend a significant time in praying about something, God will change how you approach your desire for that thing. Because he knows the best outcome for us. He knows the end from the beginning. You may be praying for a job at a major company you had an interview with, and you're praying for that, and you're crying and say, Lord, I need this job. And God may know they're going out of business next year. You don't know that. That's why we always got to defer to him. Lord, let your will be done in this. You know exactly what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen. You know exactly what's going to happen. And I'm good with that. I trust you to lead me and guide me. Show me what I need to desire for. Show me how I need to respond in this situation. This is Jerry G. Martin. And thank you once again for joining us as we have brought the word of God to you. And we are hopeful that your life has been enriched and that you have been encouraged. It is such a privilege to come to you no matter where you are. You may be in your home or your automobile or your place of business. If you would like to hear today's message again in its entirety, you can do so by going to our podcast at The Light of the World Daily with Jerry G. Martin. Again, that's The Light of the World Daily with Jerry G. Martin. You can also join us on our website at lowcf.org. Again, that's lowcf.org. And as always, I invite you to be our guest at the Light of the World. We meet each Sunday at 10 a.m. at 16161 Old Humble Road. If you're in Atascacita, Kingwood, Summerwood, Fall Creek, North Houston, Northeast Houston, you're in our neighborhood. Come and be our guest. I want to remind you that the Beacon Christian Bookstore is located right here on our campus. Almost every Christian bookstore in our city has closed, but we have an inventory of Bibles, communion supplies, Sunday school books, offering envelopes, study materials, or whatever you might need. Call the Beacon at 281 481-2885. Again, that's 281-441-2885. Now for the light of the world, this is Jerry G. Martin saying, may the Lord our God richly bless you and we'll be with you again next time.